0: Hey, y'all, this is Sam on the line with Sam's Aunt Betty. Hi, Aunt Betty.
1: Hey, Sam. How are
0: you? How are you?
1: I'm really well, thanks.
0: Well, I want to talk to you today because we are doing a very special episode all about how coronavirus is changing the entertainment industry and Hollywood. And I said to myself all week putting this show together, Betty loves movies. Yes, she does. (laughs) And I was thinking this past Christmas, what i enjoyed perhaps the most that day was it on christmas day exactly where you and i went to the theater to see knives out yes it was it was, the, it was i think it was before or after our chinese thing and then we went to the movies yeah yeah chinese buffet and a movie it was a wonderful christmas
2: <laughs> Doesn't get much better doesn't
0: <laughs> yeah you know one of the questions we're asking in this episode is when will the current crop of tv shows and movies and content like dry up I mean, as someone who is at home like the rest of us, do you worry about that day? Never. It is not crossed my mind. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I mean, I'm having a ball with stuff that was on when I was a child. Like what? Like uh, Danny Thomas' show, Make Room for Daddy. I love those old shows. ALF. So, I mean, I was a belt when ALF came out, but... I had no idea you were an ALF fan. I love ALF. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I look forward to one day you and I, uh, going back to the movies again, we will find a dollar cinema that's still playing Black Panther <laughs> and we'll just go see it. That's a date. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> do the thing you do where you start the show. All right. Let's start the show. Wakanda forever. Hey y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. This episode, we're going to talk about TV and movies and movies and all the stuff we watch. And we're going to talk about how coronavirus is affecting all the people and businesses that make that stuff. If you're like me, one of the constants since this pandemic started has been sitting down on my couch in front of my TV. I can still watch just about everything I want anytime, even if I can't go to a bar or a concert or see family and friends. Most of the stuff we watch right now, it still seems steady and reliable. But coronavirus could change that. All those shows we're binging to pass the time. All those movies, they don't just appear magically in our Netflix queues. Someone's got to make them. So throughout this episode, we'll hear about what's changed for the people and businesses that make the things we watch. A camera operator in Atlanta tells us whether you can ever make a movie or TV set safely socially distanced. TV reporter Meredith Blake tells us how Netflix, right now at least, is one of the biggest winners in this whole mess. And author Shay Serrano talks about what we lose when we can't go to movie theaters, even if we can still watch new movies at home. But to start, let's hear from Ginny Yang. She's a TV writer and comedian based in Los Angeles, and she can recall exactly when coronavirus kind of put her life in the entertainment industry on hold.
3: Listen, you know, um, I think when you're in entertainment or in a creative profession, you kind of accept a certain level of, like, Chaos, <laughs>
0: hmm
3: <laughs> But, I mean, this is like next-level chaos. It's like game-changing chaos, you know? And so I think for me...
0: Jenny um, just finished her second year writing for a sitcom, which is a big deal for her. She's kind of made it in Hollywood. But that's her day job. What Jenny is really passionate about is stand-up comedy. Before coronavirus hit, she'd lined up some gigs. One of them was scheduled for March 11th. You remember that day.
3: Somehow the NBA decided they were going to cancel, and that's when I felt like was the canary in the coal mine.
0: (laughs) Jenny performed anyway, but after the show, she had to decompress.
3: I drank tequila on the rocks with two limes um, multiple times, and, you know, I like that heavy liquor flavor is what I'm saying, and Mm -hmm. that night, I even smoked my friend's cigarette. I don't smoke, Sam. I was just (laughs) feeling... I was I was risking it all. I took a drag on a on a on a stranger's vape. This is what was happening that <laughs> night. I was
0: She went home to reckon with her other big project, the one she'd been planning for years. This competitive self-care comedy show called Everything's Fine with Jenny Yang. Tickets were sold, sets and costumes were bought, celebrity guest stars were booked. But the next morning, she had to cancel everything.
3: And I was devastated. All day I was crying. I was individually hitting all the buttons necessary to refund everyone's Eventbrite ticket, oh my and goodness. it was it was like an act in torture for me to undo this beautiful vision and dream that I had worked many many months emotionally preparing for, and then many years in a way preparing for, because three years before this, I bought the everythingsfine.com URL being like, I'm gonna make this into something, and finally that moment happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, oh my goodness. So then now, you have that really emotional few days of having to just click the buttons, write the tweets, and adjust to this new life. Yes. Now, a few weeks into this, what is your normal day?
3: Well, you know, my normal day is not much different from what I was anticipating, which is to have control over my my time and to work mm. on my writing, to work on producing shows at this point. Now, I am, you know, I think we've all quickly pivoted to being online performers. Um I was just joking that we're all cam girls now. You know what I mean? Like I, this is <laughs> Only fans. You know what I mean? Check out my only fans. Yes. You know, um, what I'm doing right now is doing what I've been doing, but I don't get to go out and see people to perform stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy is inherently defined by standing up in front of people.
0: In front of people. That's literally, (laughs) you can't,
3: you're not doing stand-up comedy if you're not standing up performing in front of people. Like you can't, it's like, you know, you can paint you don't have to show people your paintings and you're still painting, but this is not the same. Yeah. It's not the same.
0: Yeah. So have you been trying stuff on Instagram Live, doing comedy stuff? Like, are you broadcasting yourself on the social platforms from home? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think I would say within the first three weeks of everyone staying at home, my impulse was to just try to live stream literally every weeknight. And then eventually it felt like a little too much work, you know, kind of encroaching on Mm. my evening sort of self-care energy. Mm -hmm. I've now producing my Everything's Fine show to be uh, a Zoom show, a Zoom meeting, and I'm going to try to do breakout rooms. I'm going to try to recreate as much as possible the live experience. So I'm going to tell people, get dressed up, make yourself a cocktail, show up 15 minutes before the show starts, and we're going to have people put you into randomly assigned breakout rooms where you can recreate the feeling of going up to the bar to order a drink and then accidentally saying hello to someone new.
0: Oh. You know I'm doing this next week. This sounds fun.
3: Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. Yeah. So
0: you, like just about everyone in the biz, is working really hard to figure out a new path forward. Yeah. I guess my biggest question is, even as creatives find these new paths and these new avenues, will y'all make money? (laughs) Are you making money right now? Are you worried about money? Like, what's the financial on this?
3: Being a comedian... And a writer. So when you're a writer, performer in entertainment, I feel like you have more options, right? Um, now as a mm-hmm. performer, um, a lot of those options have been limited because we don't have an audience that we could perform live to anymore, right? So prior mm-hmm. to this, I used to run my own shows live. I used to tour colleges and universities. You might get a corporate gig here or there if you're a stand-up comedian, right? But you know the reality is I cannot rely on that for the foreseeable future. Because I was on a TV show, fortunately, and thank you to the Writers Guild of America and the power of a writer's union, I have savings from that. So I was already anticipating prior to coronavirus hitting, you know, living off of my savings if I needed to, you know, and and then on the writer side, if you're in entertainment, that whole machine is still going because writers notoriously can be very solo and we can work from home and I've been doing meetings with production companies and network folks and executives. You can do that, you know, FaceTime, you know, and I'm putting together pitches to sell for TV shows that hopefully someday we can make.
0: Thanks again to writer and comedian Ginny Yang for talking with us. You can find her on Twitter and on Instagram at Ginny Yang TV. One word. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. This episode, how coronavirus is reshaping Hollywood. The thing about the entertainment industry, what we think of as Hollywood, is that it's not just in California anymore. One of the biggest places to film TV and movies right now is Atlanta. And pretty much all filming down there has shut down. That means all those behind-the-scenes folks, the set designers, the makeup artists, the sound engineers, they are out of work. Jessica Hershatter operates cameras on film and TV sets in Atlanta. You may have seen her work on a little show called Stranger Things.
4: So I'm a first AC, which means focus puller. Um, I essentially control the focus of the camera. So changing lenses and batteries and building for new setups. Jessica
0: says she's anxious to get back to a production set very soon. Thing is, though, no one really knows yet what a safe set, a socially distanced set, should look like. Jessica recently read an article all about that in The Hollywood Reporter, and some of the options are really blowing her mind.
4: I was very interested to read all of their ideas, some of which are good ideas and some of which I think would be impossible.
0: Like what? Tell me one of the impossibles.
4: So it had mentioned, um, obviously, crew members wearing gloves and masks. They had talked about actors who are in intimate scenes, Who obviously can't wear any protective gear because they're on camera, um, shooting their coverage at different times from each other, and then um, in post production putting that together. Which you know we have the technology to do, but is kind of a crazy way of of having to act. They talked about you know hand sanitizer and wash, wash stations and temperature checks when you walk in. Um, I think the things that would be challenging are they had the idea of separating departments and limiting who is on set.
0: But don't y'all all work together?
4: Exactly. Everybody needs to be on set and everybody needs to be near the actors or the camera or the equipment to do our jobs and light properly and set up the shots. And until we have an actual vaccine, which I hope happens Um, it's going to be really hard to prevent the spread of this, especially on a set.
0: Yeah. It seems like the real big question is either fewer people on a set or just bigger sets so everyone can space out six feet and stay apart. Which do you think seems most likely?
4: Um, You know, that was actually (laughs) mentioned in the article, too. They had said a couple of things. One, that Shows probably won't all come back at once, it'll be kind Mm -hmm. of a trickle effect, and most likely the smaller shows will come back first. Because when you're talking about an Avengers movie, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people working on that set. On the little MTV movie I was on, it was more like 50. And then the other big question like that was is it safer to be on a sound stage as opposed to shooting in a location cuz locations are harder to control sound stages you can do things like space people out or you know build some walls that to keep people separate from each other so i think that might eliminate some of the lower budget shows that are not able to afford the builds on stage
0: So as all of these negotiations are happening about what production looks like in a coronavirus reality, I'm wondering if people like you have enough say in those conversations. I assume that studio heads and directors and powerful actors can be in the room for these types of meetings, but I assume that below-the-line workers like yourself aren't there?
4: Um. You know, honestly, that's the way it is for everything in the film industry, Um, so I've kind of gotten used to the hierarchy of whose opinion matters, but I do have to say that in general, actors are more paranoid than the rest of us, so if anybody (laughs) is concerned about health, it's the actors. So, you know, I, I had a very strange incident on our very last day of shooting, which was I had had a cold the week before, and I had a little remnant of a cough. I was very close to the actors, and I coughed twice, and I guess one of the actors was uncomfortable and told a producer. And I had three producers come up to me and tell me I wasn't allowed to cough. I'm not going to ask you to name very... this actor, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted
4: to. Um, but that was at the very beginning of all of this. And the witch hunt aspect scares me. Because I imagine if we all come back and someone so much as coughs or sneezes, it's going to be a big deal.
0: So then, I mean, like what I hear you saying is that like, it's actually not about whether it's safe or not. It's about whether or not people feel safe.
4: Absolutely.
0: Thanks again to Jessica Hershatter in Atlanta. All right, time for a break. When we come back, how this pandemic is changing the ways we all watch TV. And the highs and lows of TV made via Zoom conference call. BRB.
2: Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org.
0: Hey, it's Guy
2: Raz from NPR's How
0: I Built This. And each week on the show, during this unprecedented crisis, I'll be asking some of the top founders and builders how they're dealing with the economic impact of the coronavirus and hear about some of the ways they're pivoting to fight it. Subscribe or listen now to How I Built This. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. This episode, we are looking at how coronavirus has affected the entertainment industry from writers and performers to behind the scenes workers to just how we're consuming media while we're stuck in our homes. To see how our viewing habits are changing, I called up an old friend of the show. Meredith, hey, how are you?
5: I'm okay, how about you? I'm good,
0: I'm making it. It's funny, I was thinking before this interview, the last time we talked, the world was completely different. We're talking about Friends, the NBC sitcom, and back then when we talked, that show was still on Netflix. That is no longer the case. Uh, And the entire world hadn't changed because of a little thing called coronavirus. Does it feel like forever ago?
5: It does. Those two world-changing events happened since we last talked. Friends left Netflix (laughs) and then we... (laughs) a pandemic erupted.
0: That is Meredith Blake. She's an entertainment reporter for the LA Times. So, Meredith, you cover TV. My first question for you, how much have viewing habits changed? How different is TV watching right now?
5: It's definitely up. As of like I think mid March, streaming was up something like thirty six percent. Um, so it's undoubtedly it is up. Um, you know the broadcast networks that in some ways are being hit the hardest by this. They've seen their numbers go up a lot because people are at home. Um, so we're seeing ratings that we haven't seen uh on the regular in a while. There was that Disney sing along the other night that got pretty big numbers. There was the um, the Lady Gaga <laughs> concert that was got, I think like 20 million viewers or something, you know, big wow. numbers. So they're yeah. watching all kinds of TV.
0: There you go. If I'm looking at what coronavirus is doing to the entertainment industry as like a business story, as an economic story, what has been the single biggest impact economics shift in this whole entertainment landscape since coronavirus happened. I mean, for me, what stands out the most is Netflix announcing recently that since the Rona hit, they have gained 16 million new subscribers.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's really accelerating. You know, it's funny because the last time that we talked was about the streaming wars and, and, you know, the possible threat that these new services were going to pose to Netflix. And while services like Disney Plus have certainly seen the benefit, if we can call it that, of coronavirus. In some ways, it's also just consolidated Netflix's kind of hold on the industry, and they're, you know, leading the charge. You know, 15 million subscribers, it's the biggest quarter in the entire history of the company, and that's largely due to people being locked up locked down at home and wanting stuff to watch. Um, which I guess, you know, that's the one kind of asterisk in all of this, which is that, is this sustainable? Because if you're not going to subscribe to Netflix now, when are you going to subscribe? So so all the subscribers they're getting now, it's like, who's going to be signing up in November? Somebody who's just in a cave for five years? I don't know.
0: Yeah. This might be the peak. Yes.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
0: we are both people who have to watch a lot of tv for work Mm -hmm. yeah and a thing that i'm trying to have a conclusive thought on is of the shows that are trying to make new content in the midst of coronavirus do we have a verdict on it yet I'm watching cable news do all of their interviews with folks from their homes. I'm watching shows like SNL look like Mm -hmm. a Zoom meeting. Right. Those kind of shows are still figuring things out. But like, is it good? (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't feel good yet.
5: It's a weird combination. I personally enjoy some aspects of it. I like the voyeuristic aspect of it, where I get to look at celebrities' living rooms and like see what books they have on their bookshelves. That yeah, part of it yeah. I really like <laughs> you know like i you get to see what Kate Blanchett has on her bookshelf, and I know you know my daughter ha- had Sesame Street on the other day, and Sesame Street's wonderful, and we love it. but there was an episode where they do it as like a zoom play date with Elmo, and it was just like. Oh, it was just like kind of triggering. Like I don't I think we're not going to want to look at that ever again. Yeah.
0: A thing I can't figure out is when all the shows and movies for platforms like Netflix or Hulu or the networks have aired, how long before there's no new content, right? So like besides the weekly or daily shows like cable news or SNL, mm-hmm all of the scripted stuff that's still being cranked out because it was done before coronavirus, do we know yet when that stuff starts to run out?
5: I mean, it depends on all of the... They all sort of have a different um, schedule of producing shows. Uh, Streamers like Netflix, because all of their stuff drops at once, so it has to be ready all at once, so it's produced well in advance of its release. They're better equipped to kind of deal with a, a production stoppage that we've seen. The production halt is really hurting the traditional broadcast networks, which at this time of the year basically would be filming all of their pilots. And basically none of those pilots have been produced. So they have an issue. They also have less, you know, live sports to put on the air. So it's a real challenge for them.
2: When
0: I hear you say that, I just am hearing it being like, that's billions of dollars at stake. These big TV networks still have millions of viewers all the time, lots of ad dollars wrapped in it. Like, are these networks going to just, whatever happens, have lost billions in the process of dealing with this?
5: I think there's no way around a lot of loss. And it it may be that even if they had new shows to put on the air, they would see advertising loss anyway just because of the way the economy is going. You know, a lot of advertisers are being more skittish and, and withholding you know, their ad buys across the board. Um, So, yeah, I think it's undoubtable that we're going to see that these big companies are seeing losses, and we're already seeing it, you know. So it's real, and it's a real dramatically urgent situation that we're in.
0: Thanks again to Meredith Blake. She covers TV for the LA Times. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll play my favorite game, Who Said That? This weekend, a very special disaster movie
2: edition. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org.
4: The biggest story in the world is a science story. And keeping up with all the latest coronavirus research, it's a lot. So on Shortwave, we translate the science you need to know into short daily episodes. Listen and subscribe to Shortwave from NPR.
0: We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. New movies are still being released. They're going straight to on-demand. But that just doesn't feel right to me. I wanted to talk about what we'd all lose if that remains the case. So I called up a fellow film lover. Shay Serrano, hello. How are you? What up, sir? You know, doing good. Surviving the best I can. Shea Serrano covers sports and pop culture for The Ringer. <laughs> he also wrote a whole book about movies. It's called Movies and Other Things. Shay and I talked about movies and the culture, and we also played a very special edition of Who Said That. So, we're doing this episode, Shay, all about how coronavirus has just totally upended the entire entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a bunch of folks who work in streaming and in TV, but I really want to talk about movies with you because, I mean, the economic story of the movie industry right now is pretty straightforward. Can't go to the theaters. These movies aren't making box office. They might make some money on demand, but they're just kind of frozen for now. But I want to talk with you about like what we lose from the culture when we don't get to go see movies in theaters with the popcorn and in a room full of strangers in the dark. It feels like we're missing something right now. I don't know. Am I reaching too far with this? Am I being too mushy about it?
1: No, abs- you're absolutely... Correct. It's so much different watching a movie on your laptop or on your TV at home than standing in line getting your snacks. Like they're very much a communal experience with that. A, a very easy example is I went to a movie theater out in LA. You know the one right off of Hollywood. Right oh, yeah. off
0: like Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's beautiful.
1: So I so I was out in LA when the when the movie Joker came out, and I was like, oh, you know what? I've got a night to myself. I'm gonna just go, and then yeah. as I'm walking out. This guy walks up to me and we knew each other from the internet and he was like, Oh, hey, what's up, man? And we're we we're, we're now doing the thing that you do with friends when you're walking out of the movie theater and you're having the did you like it conversation. The conversation. What did you think the conversation? Debrief. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the process. Same as when you go with somebody and you're like waiting in line to get snacks, you're having these conversations. Like it's all yeah. baked in together. Oh yeah.
0: I kind of compare it to like you can pray at home by yourself. Or you can go to church. (laughs) Both are good. But one is much more fun. (laughs) Like one is much more fun. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I am thinking about what I'm going to do this summer without movie theaters because I go to the movies a lot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love most besides the communal experience is the popcorn. Like I'm that dude who's like, give me the largest popcorn. Give me that fake butter sauce. Layer it all throughout. (laughs) Like grease it up. And you know what I can't do, Shay? What's that? I don't know how to recreate that butter sauce at home because it's not really butter. There's no way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is it's it? It's like some synthetic
1: butter with some sort of MSG in there that gets you super. Like, you can only get that at the movie theater. You can't get it anywhere else. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. And listen, any movie theater executives listening to this podcast episode right now, I got an idea for you. If y'all did takeaway at home movie theater butter popcorn kits, I'd buy them all. <laughs> in the same way that like bars are doing take-home cocktail kits right now, theaters should do take-home movie theater popcorn kits.
1: Yeah. I want it. You should have a bundle. The nachos taste different there, the pretzels taste different, yeah. the hot dogs taste different. Like, Let me get my pack for my home movie viewing. That's a good idea. I don't know why they haven't thought of that yet. Right,
0: We did it here first. I'm gonna start the Kickstarter as soon as we're done talking. <laughs> 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 All right, Shay, last thing I'm gonna ask of you. Um, every week we play a game It's called Who Said That?
4: Who said that?
0: And basically, when I have panelists on to talk about the week of news, I have a little quiz for them about various funny news stories from the week. And I'll read them a quote from the week that someone famous or important said, Mm -hmm. and they have to guess who said it. Okay. But I was wondering, because you are a movie buff, would you play a special disaster movie edition of Who Said That with me now?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Let's give it a try.
0: You can do it. So I will give you a quote from a movie and you just say what movie it is. First quote, this place is like Dr. Seuss's worst nightmare.
1: Oh, geez. I have no idea what that is.
0: Okay, uh, Steve Buscemi said it. It's in a 1998 blockbuster that had a number one hit from the soundtrack from Aerosmith. This
1: place is like Dr. Seuss's
0: worst nightmare. Let's get the remote saddle. Oh, Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that movie, it's funny. Like, I hate that movie, but I love that movie. I like, hate
1: that movie. Are you crazy? It's so cheese, man. It's so cheese. You're crazy. That's a beautiful movie. I know. It's such a touching ending. Okay. Are you trying to tell me that when you watched it the first time or even recently and Ben Affleck is back up in the airlock going up into the ship screaming and crying his heart out that didn't that didn't do something in you
3: You go take care of my little girl now that's your job
0: yeah, yeah, you know <laughs> it did not i'm sorry <laughs> i have no soul i know i know uh okay anyways listeners if you hear this go back and check out armageddon the whole thing is about an asteroid the size of texas heading towards Earth, and Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck save the world. You got that one. Next quote. I promised a friend I would say hello to you today. Hello. Hello. Hello? (laughs)
1: Please say hello to me. Oh, God, that one hurt. That's I Am Legend. That's Will Smith in the video store, and I Am Legend. Oh, God, that one's, that's tough. You're giving me all the sad movies today. (laughs)
0: So that movie, the plot is like so depressing. Will Smith is this doctor and he has to end up saving the world after a virus meant to cure cancer wipes out most of the world's population and turns everyone else into like these zombies called dark seekers. And because Mm -hmm. Will Smith is one of the only humans left, he recreates public spaces with mannequins. And so he'll go to these stores Mm -hmm. and talk to the mannequins. It is so sad. That single
1: scene right there, is a good example of why Will Smith is one of the best actors we've ever had.
0: Like, it doesn't make any sense that that scene would be that good. And he, he just has a range. I love that, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got two so far. This is the last quote in our special disaster film uh, edition of Who Said That. Uh, here we go. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom.
2: Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation.
1: Yeah, I know this one. That's my guy, Bill, and and Independence Day. Oh, yeah. And also, by the way, Will Smith is in that movie as well. This quiz was 66%... Will Smith.
0: So now we have to have you back for just a special extended Will Smith edition of this game because you would ace it. Hey,
1: I would ace I it. Love it. Seven pounds. I've seen every Will Smith movie. You
0: saw Seven Pounds? Oh my goodness! You are deep. I saw cuts. Seven deep Pounds cuts.
1: in a movie theater. Whoa! I was like, my guy Will is in this. I'm oh, in. Sign me up. Opening week. Really? And then I'm I'm watching it like, ooh, maybe you know, maybe not Will, maybe not this one, <laughs> but next one we'll get him next time. <laughs>
0: On that note, uh, you won this special uh, disaster film edition of Who Said That. <laughs> Shea Serrano, thank you so much. All right.
1: All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy.
0: All right. Thanks again to Shay Serrano and everyone in this episode who talked with me about what's going to happen to all the TV and movies I love in the midst of this pandemic. All right, now we're going to hear from y'all talking about things y'all love. It is time for our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. Hey,
1: Sam. This is Serena from San Diego. My 13-year-old son and I made a Swiss roll cake inspired by that junk food delight, the ho-ho. It turned out really good and was a totally fun bonding experience with my teenager.
0: The best part of my week was when I was having a video chat with my son and his 20-month-old daughter and she called me Pop-Pop for the first time. It really made my day.
3: The best thing that happened to me this week is I got engaged. I guess my boyfriend had the ring for about a month and was trying to figure out the most romantic room in our house to propose in because we don't leave our house anymore. I, of course, said yes. Gave him a big hug and then said, Oh, I'm wearing sweatpants for this.
4: Hey Sam, this is Stu in Tucson, Arizona. The best thing about my week happened yesterday. And I'm going to try to get through this without crying, but it's really hard not to. Anyway, I had a radical prostatectomy. I had my prostate taken out and I'm really happy that my cancer is out of my body really wasn't going to get all choked up about this but i'm really happy that the cancer is out of my body and i love your show and um uh, keep up the good work thank you sam
0: take care be safe take
1: care sam thanks thanks for always being a bright spot on my podcast feed
0: thanks to those listeners Stu, chrissy chris and serena all of you could be a part of this segment just record yourself sharing the best part of your week and send that file to me at samsanders at npr.org. Samsanders at npr.org. This week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, Andrea Gutierrez, and Hafsa Fatima. Special birthday shout out to Janae West. She is quiet but mighty and has the world's cutest dog. And a very special happy birthday to my Aunt Donna in San Diego. She turns one year older, one year wiser, and one year more amazing this weekend. Donna, I love you. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunman. Okay, listeners, till next time, thank you for listening. Make some time to rewatch your favorite movie this weekend. It'll feel good. All right, I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon.